people are amazed to see sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars that'll be their minimum withdrawal. So I think that wakes people up a little bit to the fact that, you know, maybe it would be nice to have multiple buckets of money which I can draw upon. It's time for the Money Night Podcast with certified financial planner, Wade Chessman. Well, one of the more popular strategies in recent years is Roth conversions. It's kind of uh, become a trendy uh, move for a lot of people as they are building a retirement plan. So we want to talk all about Roth conversions today. Maybe you've heard about it and don't know exactly what it consists of, how it works. We're going to dive into that today and tell you everything you need to know about Roth conversions on this episode and maybe give you some ideas of which people it might work for and who it might not work for. We'll do that today with Wade Chessman. Wade, how are you? I am great. How about you, Ben? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, things are, are kind of hectic around the office, but uh, it's been good work. You know, it's always good to stay busy. I agree. That's so, same here. Been busy, busy with a lot of stuff here at work, busy with kids stuff, just, you know, life. Yeah, man. That keeps us busy for sure. We're already almost uh, what, three months when this episode comes out, the third month of the year already, which is hard to believe here in 2020. It's been moving pretty quickly and it's been a very busy year, both in the news and you know one of the, the big stories this year and something we've talked about on this podcast. If you haven't uh, caught an episode of The Money Night before, go back. You can find every episode on chessmanwealth.com. They're all archived there. Plus, you can whatever app you're on, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, hit subscribe while you're there, but also go back and look. We've we've talked about the Secure Act some, and I know one of the strategies with the Secure Act is the Roth conversion, something that a lot of people are considering right now. So it's really a good time to talk about Roth conversions and explain what they are, because it's a concept and an idea that a lot of people are intrigued by, but not everybody knows how the strategy works. So let's dive into it today and start with the basics, right? What is a Roth conversion? Explain it to me. Well, it's taking money that's in an IRA. An IRA is an account that has money in it, typically that's never been taxed, and converting it over to a Roth and paying the taxes. And then now the Roth has the ability then to grow tax-free for the future. So it's taking an account that's got money in it that's typically never been taxed, converting it over, paying the taxes today, and putting it in the Roth and then letting that Roth grow tax-free for the future. That's it in its simplest form. Okay, and and I know that you know one one kind of hang up some people have is they hear Roth contributions is but that's not the same thing. No, not, excuse me. Contributions yeah, and conversions are different. Two different things. Contributions putting new money into a Roth and a conversion is taking money from another account and converting it over to a Roth. Gotcha. So when you when you look at Roth conversions, I know you know, for some people that, that might benefit this from this are high un- income earners because you don't have the option as much to contribute into a Roth account. So the conversion might make some sense. Is that true? I mean, is it especially helpful for high income earners? It could be. You know, the question you have to ask yourself is, what do you think taxes will be like in the future? What happens to a lot of people that we see more and more because, you know, back in the day, people had pensions and they didn't know so much rely on 401ks and other retirement plans to accumulate wealth. But now we see a lot of people come in with high balances in their 401ks and IRAs. Well, someday the tax man will come at as we like to say. And we do a whole, we got an event by the time this podcast out, I think it'll be over, but March 7th, or we're doing an event on, you know, how to avoid tax 
issues in the future. But what can happen is you get a lot of money into your 401k IRA. And someday when you turn now 72, you're going to be forced to take money out of it, which could force you into an even higher tax bracket. So it's good for high income earners for two reasons. One, they may they may make too much money to make a Roth contribution, as we talked about earlier. And then the second thing might be that, again, you have to kind of weigh the uh, today versus tomorrow, but there could be a benefit to having more money in a Roth so that when you get into that retirement phase, you're not so much reliant on taking money out and having to pay taxes on it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So who else, uh, along with maybe high income earners who could benefit from this, who are some other people that might want to consider a Roth conversion? Well, I'd say people in a low income bracket that maybe have IRAs would be an excellent candidate to convert over because it's not going to necessarily, depending on, you know, you have to convert the whole thing, but, you know, depending on your tax situation, but if you're in a relatively low income, you've got some IRAs, you're younger perhaps, now's an excellent time to consider it because we're in a historically low tax bracket environment and people aren't getting any younger. We're going to have to pay for all these benefits we're handing out. So that would say someone who's young is a good candidate to do that. There's uh, another great candidate would be someone who's in between, let's say maybe they're 65, maybe they're not even taking Social Security yet, or maybe even if they are, and they have uh, large IRA balances or even not even large IRA balances, but between now and the time they're forced to take their RMDs is a good time to consider making Roth conversions to try to maximize maybe what's considered a lower tax bracket. That's a good example of people that should consider a Roth conversion. Another one that a lot of people don't think about, if you've got someone who is perhaps in a nursing home or receiving a lot of medical care that they're having to pay for out of pocket, that's an excellent time to consider doing some Roth conversions because, again, you have to check with your CPA and do some analysis, but that you could take those high medical expenses and those can be deductible many times and you have an opportunity to take some IRA conversions out at what could be a very low bracket. We Sometimes we find people that are in a 0% tax bracket or a negative tax bracket and so it doesn't make any sense not to take do some conversions when they're in that type of situation. So there's a couple right there to, to really think about. And you talked about taxes. I mean, is that ultimately why Roth conversions have become popular over recent years and why people are talking about them a lot more is because of where we are with tax rates? I think so. I think people understand that the taxes you pay today, which are certainly something to consider, it's you have to think about the future as well. You know, most CPAs, they're all about saving you taxes today, which is great. But as planners, what we want to look at is not only today, but also the future. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll sometimes we'll, when we're working with people, we'll look at their plan. We'll kind of project out what their required minimum distributions are going to be. And people are amazed to see sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars that'll be their minimum withdrawal. So I think that wakes people up a little bit to the fact that, you know, maybe it would be nice to have multiple buckets of money which I can draw upon. Yeah, definitely. Well on the flip side of that, who are some people maybe that this wouldn't work as well for? If you're in a super high tax bracket right now, you know, maybe the highest tax bracket, it probably maybe not make as much sense. Although you could argue that it could be still a good idea. Uh, you want to be careful about doing a Roth conversion if you're on 
Medicare because you may push yourself up into a higher a Medicare Part B premium amount. So you have to take a look at the big picture. You can't just do it blindly. You can't do it in right. a vacuum. So um, that's why it's so important to work with your CPA or somebody that has the ability to kind of take that all into account. So those are a couple people that you know perhaps shouldn't do it. Well, I know another reason to work with a, you know, a professional is to tr- avoid making mistakes and having somebody to help guide you through that. What are some of the common mistakes that you'll see people make with Roth conversions? Well, the first thing, you're right. We used to be able to do recharacterizations, like you could actually go back and undo your conversion. That's gone, so you can't do that. So once you've done it, it's done. Uh, so the mistake I see is not looking at the big picture, not taking into account all the different variables, such as, for example, the Medicare premium concern. Uh, maybe they don't take into account all their income. Like, oh, well, I made this. Oh, yeah, but you also made another 15 to 20 grand in dividend income that's going to be taxable. So it's important to uh, make sure you really understand the implications of what you're doing. So those are the biggest mistakes I see is just not going into it with all the information so that you don't make necessarily the wisest choice. But again, it's really important to work with someone that knows what they're doing on this stuff. You know, Sean Phillips in my office here, he loves this stuff. He's part of the Ed Slot uh, IRA program. And so he, believe it or not, I know this is hard to believe, but he goes (laughs) to two conferences a year. I think they're two and a half or three days. And all they talk about is IRAs. Now to me, wow, I know. I know. I, That's I not like your style, he, is it? Well, I like that he does it and gives me back all this information. Right. But uh, I don't know. That's not going to – I don't think that's going <laughs> to happen for old Wade. But, <laughs> but the point is, you know, you want to work with someone that really understands this. There's things change all the time. You really need to understand the rules. Yeah, and somebody that's passionate about it, like your boy. Yeah, passionate. So, that's right. Yeah, I, exactly. I would say that Sean is passionate about it, and because he's passionate about it, so am I. Yeah, exactly. And that's why you'll benefit from that passion as well. And, you know, you can set up a time to sit down with, with Wade or work with Sean too, you know, out at the Chessman Wealth Strategies office there on Rambler Road. You can set up a time online at chessmanwealth.com and you can talk through some of these things because we, we gave a pretty good overview of Roth conversions today, but there's still going to be more questions that you have. And there's going to be questions that Wade has for you as well to, to figure out if they make sense for you. So before you do anything in terms of a Roth conversion, talk to a financial professional and figure out if it works. And is this something you're talking about with clients a lot, Wade, these Roth conversions, or is this something you have to introduce them to over time? I mean, it's something that we make as part of our uh, advanced planning process. It's typically not something that clients bring up it's something we have to introduce it's just not something that people think about okay well perfect. they should yeah so that's why we're doing this podcast and that's why you work with an advisor because there's a lot that you don't know and don't know to ask and that's why they're there to help answer those questions yeah i mean you, that got, you aren't aware of that's right you got one or two iras and you i mean we think we talk about roth conversions almost every day mm-hmm. yeah kind of exactly. like a doctor i mean the doctor you know you go in he's seen the same thing over and over same thing with us Yep, exactly. Well, let's go to the mailbag before we uh, close out the episode, Wade. Let's take some listener questions. We got a few today that I want to get to. All right. And let's begin with uh, a question that came in from Miles. He said, I've worked with a couple different financial advisors over the years, and I like them both. Do I need to pick just one or the other, or is it okay to work with a couple of different people? Good question, Miles. What I would say is for most people, 
it's really better to work with one advisor. You know, I we call sometimes people will think if I have multiple advisors, I'll get diversification, and I'll say, well, what you really are going to probably get is diversification because <laughs> you've got two people doing two different things. They're not talking to each other. They don't know. You get a lot of overlap. It's like if you had, you know, a doctor. You may have uh, multiple doctors that do specialties, but your general doctor, are you going to go to the, the doctor one week and then another doctor the next week? No, because they're not going to, you don't want to overlap. So, you know, there are cases where maybe someone has extreme wealth and it makes sense to have that. But even then, you would want somebody to be looking at the big picture. So I always tell people for 90% of the people we come in contact with, it really behooves you to pick one person that you feel comfortable with and if you want multiple people it's probably not going to be a good fit for us because we can't do the type of job that we want to do when you've got multiple moving parts it's hard enough and you know challenging enough with all the changes and movements when you've just got one so there you go miles maybe a a thought to to step back and evaluate who you enjoy working with who maybe you trust and and uh, maybe go with one with one person over uh, working That's with what I would people. recommend. Makes sense. Jerry is our next question. He writes in, says, I just looked at my social security estimate and it shows how much I'll get starting at different ages, 62, 66, 70. He said, I'm blown away by how much more I'd get in 70. So I'm inclined to just wait until that time to start, even though I'll probably retire a few years earlier, 66 or 67. I'm assuming that putting it off like this is the best course of action for someone like me. Is that right? Well, it's hard to say without looking at the the big picture. You know, Social Security is, when we look at Social Security, we don't just, now if you're single, it's a little bit easier to make that choice. But if you're married, then you want to look at the benefit as a lifetime benefit for two people. So your decision, let's say that Jerry's wife was a stay-at-home mom and didn't have work very much. And so her benefit is going to be based on Jerry's benefit his decision to take Social Security at 62 versus 70 could have big implications for her. So you got to look at it from a long-term perspective. I do find in a lot of situations that it does mathematically look better to take it at 70, but there's other circumstances that could come into play. If you have health issues that you know, you know, you feel like are going to maybe change your longevity of your lifespan that might be a reason to take it versus 70 depending on you know if you have a big age discrepancy between you and your spouse that could change things for a lot of people waiting till 70 does seem to make a lot of sense but you don't want to just make that decision in a vacuum kind of going back to everything we've talked about it's you've got to have it part of a plan yeah, and you want to get it right the first time. So there's a lot of things to consider before you pull that trigger and make the decision. Uh, but thanks for the question, Jerry. Well, yeah, we have time for one more, Wade. So let's squeeze this one in before we close it out. It comes from Susan. How do you avoid investing in things you view as immoral? Take marijuana as an example. I'm in several mutual funds, but I don't know what stocks they're using. Could I be profiting off of the marijuana industry by accident? Because I don't want to do that. How do you help people navigate through the investment world while respecting their certain morals and religious beliefs? Yeah, I love that question. Um, a lot of times you're not going to know because if you're in a mutual fund, a typical mutual fund, then they're going to own all kinds of stuff and you're not necessarily going to know what they do. There are mutual fund families like the Timothy funds that are, they call themselves biblically responsible. There's socially responsible funds. 
I struggle with that a little bit because, you know, where, where do you draw the line? Uh, I would say it's easier to manage that if you're using separately managed accounts versus mutual funds where you actually own the individual stocks versus um, a mutual fund where you can't see necessarily what you own. So, you know, we have strategies here at Chessman that are, you actually see the individual stocks and you have more control over the types of stocks that you own uh, with the manager. And we and there's socially responsible investments. There's uh, religious-based investment. There's There are options out there, but I have found that it's easier to do inside a separately managed account uh, where you can kind of pick and have some more control over the types of things that you own. But if that's important to you, then, you know, then it, you can come up with a plan and you can come up with strategies to make sure that, you know, th- your beliefs are being respected. Yeah, that's a good answer, Wade. And, and that's a great question as well, Susan. Uh, it's not just about the money. You know what I mean? It's about standing up for your beliefs and, and following those those morals that kind of guide you day to day. So great I question. I totally agree with that. And great question from everybody. If you have a question that you want to send in and, and get some thoughts from Wade, you can do so at chessmanwealth.com. Remember, it's always best to sit down and have that meeting in person and ask the question to get a full and complete answer and uh, help build your plan around that rather than just uh, what we can do here based on limited information. But we love to hear your uh, your thoughts and what's on your mind. So continue to send them in to us at chessmanwealth.com where you can call the office at 214-572-2120. So a lot to process today on this show, Wade, for sure. But I think the ultimate thing is you got to have a complete plan in place. So sit down with somebody and figure that out, whether it's Roth conversion or Social Security or it's picking different advisors you got to have the right person. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Carson Partners, a division of CWM LLC, is a nationwide partnership of advisors. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified tax, legal, or investment professional before taking any action.